Today is also Pentecost Sunday. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What a gift. Jesus said, it's better for you that I go to the Father because I'll send you the Holy Spirit. And he will lead you into all truth. So if you're searching truth, that's the Holy Spirit's job. Come and guide us and direct us. And so something happened today that had never happened before. You had a meeting of people, and the Holy Spirit fell on all of these people, and they all spoke in a language that they didn't know how to speak in. The power of God. Demonstration of what Christianity was going to be. Stepping outside what you know what to do. They didn't know the language they spoke. And that was an example of, of what Christianity is, and that's where we're going today to talk about, stepping out of what you know how to do. So thank you, Lord. So I found a quote from, of all people, Theodore Roosevelt. And he said, It's not the critic who counts, nor the man who points out how the strong man stumbles, or where the doer of deeds could have done better. The credit actually belongs to the man who is in the arena, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of great achievement, and who at worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly. So that his place will never be with those cold, timid souls who know neither victory or defeat. Hallelujah. On Wednesday night, we're doing a video called All In. And the first video, he showed something that I will never forget as long as I live. And it was uh, somewhere around the turn of the 19th century in the late 1800s, early 1900s. And America was sending missionaries off to all these strange places in the South Seas and all of that. And so one of the things that they did before they left is they packed all of their belongings that they were going to take with them. And they packed it in their coffin. Because they knew they were going somewhere and they probably wouldn't be coming back. That's all in. That is all in. And so, you know, we've heard stories. You know, one of the ones that um, don't date quite back, back quite that far. But when they were sending missionaries into Papua New Guinea, that one of the guys jumped in. The, the guy, one of the guys going, going there, one of the first guys, second guy, I think they ate the first guy. But the second guy that, that went in, he jumped out, he parachuted in, and they received him because somewhere in their teachings they had said, a giant white man was going to fall out of the sky, and he was going to bring you truth. And this guy was like 6'4", and these guys are about that tall. You know, so I've been a giant white man to him. And, and so God had prepared the way for him to go, but what courage it takes. He knew they ate the last guy that came. <laughs> so, but he was all in. 
And so we'll probably never be required to pack a coffin. Although I think in the spirit we can do that. And we may not never have to jump into the middle of cannibals. But God is requiring us to step out. That's part of our walk with God, that we go step out beyond what we know how to do. So, if you didn't bring a Bible, there's one in the back of most of these seats, and so we're not going to have anything on the overhead. And so we're going to have to do it the old way. Amen. Turn to Matthew 14, start in verse 22. Leading up to this, Jesus had just fed the 5,000. And nighttime was coming. And it says, verse 22, Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When the evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch, now the fourth watch was just before dawn. There were four watches of the night, and the fourth watch was just before dawn. On the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a ghost. And they cried out of fear. For immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Do not be afraid. You know, an amazing thing is there's 366 instances that we're told not to fear. One for every day of the year plus leap year. It's covered. Be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. He walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. Verse 27 said, be not afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. Peter was a fisherman. He noticed the wind before and the waves before. So sometimes I wonder if God's asking us to do something, we see some things that we're going to have to contend with, and we think, no, Jesus is with me. I'm charged up. I know he's calling me to do this. So I step out, and then I step into the reality of what the winds are. And then I get afraid. And immediately, you know, it didn't say, and Jesus let him sink for 30 seconds. It says, immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said, Oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? And when he got into the boat, the wind ceased. You ever see that? I've read this a thousand times. 
This morning I was going over this, and I said, and when I got in the boat, the wind ceased? Why? Did God let the wind blow to show Peter he was faithful? Was that the reason for the wind to blow? Was God wanted to show Peter his faithfulness that even in the midst of the wind, that he can still trust Jesus. And so sometimes whenever we step out, God is going to continue to let the wind blow. And we've got to remember Jesus is, Jesus is still there. He didn't go anywhere. And when we get through it, the wind will cease. You ever notice that? You're going through something and you get through the other end, the devil never uses that anymore for you for one thing against you because you've seen God's victory. Because there's one thing that he can't take away from you is an experience. Whenever you've experienced the power of God, that can never be stolen from you. See, I think as Peter walked on and, you know, all these guys changed at Pentecost. They did. All of these guys changed when the power of the Holy Spirit came upon them. They all changed. But don't you think that Peter probably, whenever he was going through all the stuff that Peter went through, went back to that time he walked on water? And he said, you know, if I would have trusted him when I saw the wind, when I felt the wind instead of just seeing the wind, then... He wouldn't have had to reach down and pull me out of the water. I would have been able to complete what I set out to do. So we can never be robbed of an experience with God. We've seen God move in our life. Now, that's some of the building blocks that God uses in our life as we, as we walk with him is, is our memories of the time that he was faithful and that, that we saw him in a big way in our life. He's always faithful. It's just sometimes we don't see that faithfulness right away. But anyway, Peter was willing to take the first step. He'd be willing to take that first step. Everything begins with the first step. No, the other 11 weren't. They probably said, that crazy Peter, he is at it again. You know, what's he thinking? You know, and I was reading this. I was, I was remember a long time ago. I, I was uh, there was a commercial on T about on TV about uh, how Lazy Boy was the the uh, most sought after furniture there was because of uh, of the great recliners that they made. There was eleven Lazy Boys on the on the boat. <laughs> they were in their place of comfort. You know. So we get in our place of comfort sometimes, and we don't want to be bothered. So, oh, man, this is great. <clears throat> I'm comfortable in what I'm doing. Why would I want to step out? You know, I'm safe here where I am. <clears throat> Excuse me. Like I said before, Peter was a fisherman. He had seen those storms before. He knew what these storms could do. He had seen, I'm sure, these, these weren't ships they were in. These were boats that they were in. Ask a sailor the difference between a boat and a ship. A big difference. 
but Peter was a fisherman, so he's seen these storms before, but he was still willing to step out. You know, over the years, I've seen and I begin to understand the difference between being faithful and being foolish. Peter was being faithful. First thing he did was ask Jesus, can I come out to you? He trusted Jesus. Don't you know after all those years of walking with Jesus, what a, what a bond of trust must have formed in the disciples of, what, of Jesus, what Jesus, who Jesus was and his love for them. But first he said, bid me come. The Bible tells us that sheep knows the voice of the shepherd. And we know the voice of Jesus. We do. If, uh, if you're having difficulty knowing the voice of Jesus, ask him to show you. He will speak something to you. He's done this to me. He'll speak something to you, and then he will show you that that was his voice that you heard. We're his sheep. We know his voice. Peter asking Jesus, can I come? Foolishness doesn't, uh, doesn't seek God. Foolishness just goes and, and does. God do this and bless it instead of actually following God. Peter knew Jesus well enough to trust, but you know, it still required something else. It required the faith. Peter, uh, I'm sure, looked at the conditions. The storm was breaking. Waves were breaking. He still trusted enough to get out of the boat. You know, that would be hard enough to do in good weather. But I think daily we make choices. Water or boat. Water or boat. Water or boat. Only a few times do I choose water. Not very often. Usually it's the boat. No, I'm safe here. So I've asked God to show me the places in my life that are places of safety and comfort. There is no place safer than it being in obedience to Jesus. No place safer than that. But those places of safety, like I said, are those places that don't require us to, like Jacob Poe says, cross the chicken line. Keeps us but not crossing the chicken line oftentimes keeps us from coming to Jesus. Peter still got to Jesus. Jesus had to take a few steps towards him, but he still got to Jesus. You know, sometimes the wave gets, waves get to looking pretty high. And we've got a choice. Sometimes to make. 
The ways are high. Do I continue on? Or do I stop? That's what Peter did. He was fine as long as he was walking. He got scared and he stopped. So what's so comfort that I won't come when Jesus bids me come? I think if we will look at our fears now, and I know what my fears are. If I will look at my fears, that's where my boat is. Because I want something to protect me from what I'm afraid of. First John uh, fourteen seventeen. Says, love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. That was a day of judgment for Peter <laughs> whenever he stepped out of the boat. Because as he is, as Jesus is, so are we in this world. What a scripture. So as Jesus is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Wow. Peter loved Jesus. Probably, I think it's obvious not as much as he thought. At one time, whenever he said, I'll never leave you, Jesus. These other guys, they may run, but not me. I'm here with you. And then it was revealed to him. Jesus revealed to us. Revealed to us. Takes courage to step out. Took courage for Peter to step out. It takes courage for us to trust out, to step out. Verse 29 through 30 of uh, the scripture of Matthew. So he said, Jesus said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. The world is a stormy place. So, I think... Probably all of us at times when we've uh, believe we were stepping out for Jesus, that we saw the wind. Life has storm. But the wind was there before, as with Peter. The wind was there before. It's when our, we take our focus off of Jesus and put our focus on our circumstances that we begin to think. Jesus is bigger than anything that we can go through. Jesus is bigger than that. 
Because of the wind, some never leave the boat. When we get out of the boat, we'll always have to face the wind. But life in the boat is spiritual death. We will never walk in what what God has called us to do as long as we stay in the boat. You know, God is uh, doing something here. And I'm thankful for the teachings on the gifts of the Spirit. But, you know, I'm hearing gifts of the Spirit, the fivefold ministry, the motivational gifts. God is saying to this church, it's time to step out of the boat. Remember Roosevelt said, you don't want to be counted among those cold, timid souls. You know neither, know neither victory or defeat. I played football. We didn't lose very much. And victory was better than defeat. But if we'd have lost every game, I'd been glad that I played. But in Jesus, we always have the victory. So in this, where you, some people would say that Peter failed, but Peter walked on water. And Peter saw the trustworthiness of Jesus. That, you know, Jesus didn't say, well, you took your eyes off of me, I guess I'll pick out another one. That's not Jesus. Sometimes we fail, and sometimes we miss God. God always looks at the heart. I shared with people who, who, had, who have come and asked me sometimes about, you know, I feel like God's asking me to do this, and their fear was they're going to miss God. God looks at the heart. You know, most Christians' fear is I'm going to miss God in this. But I've walked with the Lord long enough to know this. And I've missed God thinking that I was following after God. If I miss God, when the reality comes, I wasn't supposed to be doing this. And God will take me and put me back on the path that I need to be on. And I'm thankful for that. Now, if I do something out of rebellion where I know God's not telling me, or maybe God's telling me to do something and I'm in rebellion and say, I'm not going to do that, then he will let me walk until I come to the end of myself. And then he will take me back to that place where I've made the wrong decision and give me opportunity to make the right decision. God's a God of mercy. I would rather miss God on the side that says, I believe I heard God, than on the side that said, I ain't going. And God looks at the heart. If I think I heard God, then I'm obligated to go do that. God looks at the heart. Whenever I can look back and I can see that whenever that I have had growth in my relationship with God, it's because I have allowed God to move into move me into 
new territories. Uh, expand my boundaries. And I allow his trustworthiness to become bigger than my fears. Knowing that his trustworthiness is bigger than my fears. Stephanie's not here, so I can tell a story about Stephanie. Stephanie is one brave woman. I remember her and Caleb jumping out of a perfectly good airplane. Takes a lot of courage to do that. But whenever she was small, she loved to swim, but she was so afraid of the water. That we would sit in the pool and beg her to jump. And she was so afraid that she couldn't do it. But eventually she got to that point. And that's what her walk with the Lord is. Eventually we come to the point. Peter didn't just meet Jesus when he stepped on water. He had a relationship. Yeah. And so it's kind of that's the way it is in our relationship with the Lord. Now, I think Stephanie conned me one time, though. Because we had a slide. And she wouldn't come down the slide. I said, if you'll come down the slide, I'll buy you a new dress. <laughs> Off you came. But we can't, uh, we can't uh, con God because God knows our heart. Thank you, Lord. I was thinking about uh, years ago. I'll get Ronnie to sing this song for us. Ronnie, will you sing a song for us? No. We used to sing a song that said, uh, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. And so we've got to come to the point where we drive that stake in the ground. I have decided to follow Jesus. There's no turning back. I can look at, at the backside of my life and uh, think this is so much better. Why would I ever want to go back to that? Every time we obey God, His voice gets stronger in us. And so take a minute and look back at uh, what you see as your failures. I can see sometimes looking back that my failures weren't really failures because I can see what God did in those failures, what I saw as, as failures. But even in the time that we just went, we were foolish, and we just went and did what we weren't supposed to do, the failure was an event and not a judgment of God. So God used that as a way to teach teach us and to bring us to the place that we need to be. Jonas Salk, who found the, uh, the vaccination for polio, he tried over 200 unsuccessful vaccines before he found the right one. 
Was he successful? Or did he fail 200 times? I think we see him as being successful. He said he discovered 200 vaccines for polio that didn't work. That he was successful because he pushed on from those 200 times that didn't work because he pushed on and he found a vaccine for polio that saved millions of people from having to go through the torment of that terrible disease. So Peter might remember when he sank and, and Jesus pulled him out of the water. But you know, he told the other guys, I bet you I know guys. At least I walked on water, guys. What did you do? He knew the empowering of God to do the miraculous. A miracle to walk on water. The hard thing is, God often asks us to do something that we don't know how to do. I could ask my brother Gary to, I've got a PLC that needs to be programmed, a programmable logic controller that needs to be programmed, and this is what I want to do, and he'd go do it because he knows how to do that. But if I told him, that my granddaughter Maddie needed French braids, it'd say, what does that have to do with me? You know, but that's what God wants us to do, is step out what we, of what we know how to do. Because if we know how to do it, it's not the miraculous. God is the God of the miraculous. Now, sometimes he'll ask you to do something that you know how to do, but the real miracles come when he asks us to step out of what we know. No, he called Peter, Peter the fisherman. You're going to be one of my 12 disciples. You're going to all the world and preach the gospel. Oh, yeah? But Peter also knew the glory of being lifted up by Jesus. Peter grew because he dared to trust. Peter understood that Jesus is here. And his love, love also, and his love also knew the, or his life also knew the mercy of God in his failure. Need to step out of the boat. Only way for real growth, step out of the boat. You know, you can move to a place, and 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 you walk with the Lord, where it's boredom and stagnation. That's death. I don't want to be in that. Same old, same old. We learn to trust by experience. When I leave what is comfortable to me, I trust that Jesus is there. Part of discovering and obeying, obeying our calling. We learned uh, when we went to the leaders' conference that it's not just the pastor that walks in the 
five-fold ministry. He'll work, walk in one office of the five-fold ministry. And so each one of us have an office in the five-fold ministry. But we've got to step out. Even when the water's there. Most of the time, that's where Jesus is. And he will be wholly adequate, and we will walk on water. So, every so so often, I kind of pause and I do a spiritual inventory. I ask God, where am I? And where do I need to be? Where am I? Am I huddled in the boat? With my life preserver on. Or maybe I have one leg in the water and one leg in the boat. That's even worse. Or maybe I'm out of the boat and I'm looking at the wind. Or maybe I'm out of the boat and looking at Jesus. You know, it's our fears that keep us from the gifts of God. Let me tell you a story. The story of the China. One day, Grandma died. So Grandpa called the family. Told Grandma died and said, I've been kind of going through Grandma's stuff. I found something, some addicts. So up in the attic, I found some dishes that you may want. And so the daughter came, and it was an exquisite set of china, and it had never been used. Grandfather told the story. It was his gift to her on one of their big anniversaries, you know, that multiplies by ten. On one of the big anniversaries. And they weren't a wealthy fa- family. And China was very old and valuable. It was wrapped in tissue paper stored away for a very special occasion. But none were worthy of risking the breakage. Grandmother went, Grandma went to the grave with the gift unopened, never used, because nothing was worth the risk. So... What do we do with God's gifts? We put them up in the attic because the risk is too big. What if I stand up in church and I mess up? My pride would be damaged. What a tragedy. Of the unopened gift. We have a choice of opening the gift of God or not, of safety or growth. So I look around, and all of us has heard the the the, uh, the parable of the talents. In Matthew 25, I won't, I won't read it, but this, t- this shows us that he's, God is the Lord of the gift. 
And so he gave these these three servants each a gift of different value. I've heard it said that one talent was a year's salary in those days. So that was an enormous gift. This was Bill Gates' type of money, just about. It's a great gift, a chance of a lifetime. One servant went at once immediately to invest it and buy some stuff. The opportunity of a lifetime, I won't be sidetracked. The Lord of the gift has entrusted to us his prosperity. You know that? God has trusted us with his prosperity. Not the prosperity that the world gives. We're in the middle of a bus, but guess what? We're not in God's economy. On the cattle on a thousand hills. It's not a parable of some was gifted and some wasn't. All three were gifted. We're all gifted. Every gift comes through the master. The opportunity to use the gift God has given us is the opportunity of a lifetime. I think that's where we are right now because we don't come this way very often. Trust me. The church, the local church doesn't come this way very often. Opportunity of a lifetime to learn about our giftings. You know, one servant buried his gift. I'll have some of that in me. You know, yeah, I got it. You know, there's a risk here. You know, there's a hole over here I can dig, I can cover up. Fear of failure. Man, we all battle that, don't we? Fear of failure. But then you look at Peter. He started thinking Jesus was there. Pulled him up out of the water. He's there for us too. Third servant probably didn't think about what would happen when the master came back. He thought... I've known guys like this. I don't have I don't have this kind of kind of charm, and I know it. But I've known some guys who could charm their way out of anything. Maybe he thought, well, because when he, if he comes back, then I'll just charm my way out of this. The variables in this parable are the varying amount of the gift, the varying way that we experience that they experience the life. But when it comes to the gift, some are gifted in obvious, invisible ways, and some are gifted in quite unseen ways. And so you look at, uh, I, I remember when Tom was here, he told us a story of a very wealthy businessman that came to the church and got saved. And so... You know, the, you know, it's kind of like whenever a football player sometimes comes to the Lord, uh, who was a pastor, said, I kept it quiet because I wanted to see if it was real or Memorex type of deal. And so the guy said, I want to do something in the church. And they said, well, we need somebody to clean the bathrooms. 
that I'll do it. He did that for six months, and everybody was saying, you know, it's time for us to get this guy moving. He is so gifted, obviously, he runs a big business and all this. And so he's so gifted, we need to find something really that fits him better. And they came to him and said, we want to change what you do. He said, oh, no, I love doing this. He was one of the unseen guys in the church. But that's what he loved to do. He said, I'll do whatever you ask me to, but don't take this away from me because this is what I like. I found out that this is what I like to do. What the gift is doesn't matter. It's what we do with the gift that's matter. You know, it's like the parable of the talents. The gift doesn't matter. It's what we do with the gift that matters. The size of the gift isn't important. And talents aren't for comparison. Anytime you get into a comparison, you lose You either exalt yourself or you think less of yourself. And the fact is, you're being obedient to the gift that God gave you. So you don't have anything to exalt yourself about, and you don't have anything to catch yourself down about. I mean, it's God's gift. You don't bury it. You let the Holy Spirit bring it up. And oftentimes, like I said, it's fear that makes us disobedient to the call. Our fear that think we're not, uh, that uh, it's too big of a risk if we open the gift. And so as you get older, at least I know this is my story, as you get older, you get to understand there's nothing I can do about the past. God is taking care of that anyway. What God wants from us today is the rest of our lives. I want what God has for me, not what could have been. What could have been, God will bring if it was supposed to. What could have been is the past. In the past, I want to remember God's faithfulness. He is the Lord of the reward. You know, one thing, if we're believers, that we stand before God, we'll we'll stand before God that's a different judgment than what the judgment of the world. Those of the world will stand before God's judgment. We'll stand before God. And we will go through the fire, it says. And all of the stuff that is destroyable will be burned away. And all that is left is what we did uh, when God told us to move. What we did for God is the only thing that will stand. And a lot of times we do stuff for God that's not not really for God, and that's hay, wood, and stubble. And that burns. But we will stand before God. And he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. So, 
five minutes after 11. We're really going to beat the Baptist today. Okay. <laughs> and so uh, here's what I ask you to do. And, and we'll pray before we leave. Ask the Holy Spirit to develop the gifts that are in you. I'm willing, Holy Spirit, to step out in the gifts that you have placed within me. Receive them from God. And as they begin to come up, say, oh, that's not me. Because then you're not stepping out of the boat. You know, God often tells you to do things that's outside of what you can do so that he can show you his faithfulness. If it's something you can do, then where do you see God's faithfulness in this? And remember uh, in the scripture that we read on, on Peter, that this was right after Jesus fed 5,000. The Lord of the gift can take a few fish and loaves of bread and feed the multitude. So surely, surely, he can show us what gifts we have in us and we can begin to walk in what God has us do, walk in the call that God has on our life. It doesn't matter how old you are. We've got some young boys over there. They could begin to walk today. And they won't have to battle some of the things that you battle whenever you become an adult because they will see God's faithfulness as a child. So my prayer is God give us us the courage to step out of the boat. Give us the courage to step out of the boat. And when the wind comes, and it was already there, when there's wind or whatever, that we don't get our eyes on the circumstances, but keep our eyes on God. So, y'all get together one or two or three or four, however many you want to, and y'all pray together that God would uh, begin to reveal the gifts that's in our lives, and we will have the courage to step out and walk in those.